to the Beat Around the Bend podcast, a podcast about woodworking, good times, and general jackassery, with your hosts, Jess of Jess Building, Colton of Colt Crick, and Ross of RNC Woodworking and Design. You can find us all on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Now for episode 5.1, Force Suspension. We do have to put a bit of a disclaimer on this episode. We initially were supposed to have a guest on this episode, and we actually did record that episode. And we learned a ton, had an amazing time, but unfortunately we had some technical difficulties and about half of the audio from our guest got totally lost. So we have to go back and re-record part of it. But in the meantime, we wanted to make sure we put out an episode on time. So we are recording this episode with just the three of us. Still got tons to talk about, but hopefully you guys will enjoy and we will save the goodness of everything that uh, was the interview for the next episode. So yeah, and looking to hire a, a free IT guy. <laughs> yes. If <laughs> anybody is interested <laughs> in doing some free IT work, uh, we are definitely totally up for that because none of us are IT gurus. Um, I'll make you so charcuterie yeah. board for it. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. You will be chock full of charcuterie boards. So with that in mind, gentlemen, how are things going? Excellent. 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 Yep. Excellent. Um, totally excellent. Yeah, you guys can't see. I've got my, he was commenting on it, my wild, wild stallion. stallions rule. <laughs> yes. So, oh, man, I, note, I should cut up I, some of my shirts like that. I bought these going. from $6 shirts. Uh, you bought $6 them? Shirts, $6 shirts.com. Yeah, they were six bucks. Oh, man. I cut all so, the sleeves off all. <laughs> if you are a fan of Bill and Ted, there is a band you should actually check out because if Wild Stallions was a real band, that's what this band sounds like. And they are called Bud Bronson and the Good Timers. Check and it, it out. And it is literally, yeah, Bud Bronson and the Good Timers. It is nothing but like harmonized guitar lines doing excessive like lead lines and cool licks and harmonies. and so It's, it's ridiculous. But if you're a fan of all things Bill and Ted and everything that is righteous, most excellent and even tubular you got to check them out wow all so. right hey also speaking of bands uh we lost the episode where y'all talked about your your history with uh being we, in bands we, and all that we did do that and uh, I, uh, I, I, I think it's really interesting I, I think it paints a good, good picture oh don't let's, blush let's i start can see you blush uh, me about yeah. what the band playing, playing drums man yeah, just in, in general. So the reason this got brought up is because um, the recording facility that I record in is actually my music room in my house. And I happened to get up from one of the recordings and the guys happened to see my drum set and the musical instruments behind me. So Don't touch my drum it's... set. Don't touch my drum set. I'll put my balls on your drum set. <laughs> So it started the conversation and it's, it's probably worth revisiting. So let's... Let's sure. kind of start it out. Um, so you want, you said you wanted me to start? Sure. Take I mean, I was just a kid that always liked drums. And then I had a buddy that um, his his dad, his mom and dad were in a band, like a little thing they would play for like extra money and stuff like that. They were quite good, actually. The, and the, they would have people come and sing. There was a lady that was singing that was my mom's friend. And, and so he just learned to play guitar. He was always musically inclined, loved it. And so he started a little band. I mean, we were probably, I don't even, did I have a driver's license at that point? It was young. And he's like, dude, you should learn to play drums. I've, well, I've always thought about it. So I bought a percussion plus set 
and beat the snot out of it. And then I got a Tama set and the rest is history. Me and him off and on played in bands together for 16, 17 years. Uh, I had a, I, I bought a house at one point and I had a music room like you did in it. And we would jam in there. Uh, we played some shows and stuff. I really, really loved it. Mostly covers. We wrote an album. Uh, I was in one band where we wrote an album. One guy was really, really into music, and we had a singer that was like, sing like Jeff Buckley. Amazing. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if we ever really thought it would ever go anywhere, but it was so much fun. So much fun. And we got pretty good. Um, and then, you know, everybody got married and had babies and got careers, and, and we just started doing something else. And, you know, people moved away. I moved away. Just things happened and we just quit playing. They do. They yeah. do happen. That's just what How about happened. you, Colton? I think you were mentioned you you did a little uh, kicking Yeah. Beats. Oh, I had a 15 minutes faint. Well, for me, I, uh, what, I learned to play drums through Rock Band, like the video game. Classic. Like, uh, where you have like the plastic drums on there. But uh, you actually, you're keeping a beat. So I learned the basics for that. And then um, my friends had a band in high school. And they didn't have a drummer for one practice. And so I got to go fill in for one practice. I thought I was the cool, coolest <laughs> thing. Man, I, uh, yeah. Other than besides that, I, lo- I love playing guitar and trying to pick up random instruments. I'm, I'm trying to learn harmonica right now because that'd be a lot easier to take camping than a whole guitar. But be able to bust that out, I think it'd be pretty cool. Dude, if you could ever get to the level of John Popper, that would be like you'd have to wear like the munition belt of harmonica. Yeah. <laughs> Just like coming yeah. in, so you have one for every key. But like, oh. if you know how to play harmonica well, there's nothing better. Yeah, it's I, pretty so I, I can pick around on it. You know, basically doing tabs for songs. But yeah. as far as just playing it by ear, no, not not yet. But yeah, that'd be fun. I got a little ukulele. Oh, me and Crystal. So I bought a ukulele, a um, not a harmonica, a kazoo, a kazoo, a ukulele, and a tambourine. I was gonna make an intro to a video. And um, the the final countdown. I saw someone made a video that it was hilarious. Uh, There's a girl. She was uh, had the the harmonica or the ukulele in her mouth, playing um, oh, playing the ukulele and her. I'm losing my track here. <laughs> to me, instruments. But yeah, Crystal was gonna be playing tambourine. And uh, but that yeah. once we started putting the uh, you know rubber to the pavement, it it did not take off well. <laughs> I was like, this this one needs to sit out, but That's it was a, it was a good idea. I, I might or may not have had a buzz when I bought all the equipment for that, but but now you have it forever, so you yeah. can get buzzed and play it again. No, well, I do enjoy playing the ukulele. It's fun to mix it up from the guitar. But yeah, hey Ross, how about you though? You got a pretty extensive uh, uh, background. Yeah, I so. I always wanted to play drums from the time I was a little kid and my parents never wanted to listen to me learning how to play drums because it's not exactly the most pleasant thing to have to endure. I would assume saxophone learning and or violin are both on par with that. But um, I actually started playing music when I was 13. I had a friend that had a guitar and he literally said, similar to you, Jess, he was like, hey, if you go get a bass, you can be in my band. (laughs) And I was like, I don't even know what that means, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. And yeah, and I bought a bass and I learned the first Schlapp few songs. Bass. That's right. Slap it a bass. Um, and I actually played bass in bands for years and still do here and there. But um, 
that was my first instrument. I picked up guitar pretty quickly thereafter to be able to play whole songs and write songs, not just on the bass. Um, and then I actually, we, we, we used to have band practice at my house and our drummer would leave his drums at my house. And so I started practicing on those. We're all in the garage. And then, uh, it was actually in our basement. Um, up oh yeah. In, you're uh, up the, you have basements up there. Yeah. We have basements where, yeah. where we're at. And the house I grew up in was built into a hill. So it was actually perfect because the sound was just going into the side of the hill and the neighborhood didn't have to hear me. So uh, I started practicing on that. And then when I made it, when I was accepted into college, my parents said, okay, it's finally time and uh, bought me the drum set. And I literally started playing at minimum three to four hours a day. And by the time I was done playing in college and touring, um, I was probably playing five, six hours a day. And I'd been in, at this point in my life, I've been in 19 bands and I've released 11 different albums. I've opened for Jeez. bands like fallout boy. I opened for them three times, uh, rise against their very first show ever. They actually opened for my high school band. We headlined the show. Um, I've opened for like motion city soundtrack and Alkaline Trio and a whole bunch of other bigger bands. I've played Warp Tour before. Um, so y'all are rock. Yeah, we rock, were definitely all, more on the rock. punk side. Punk, yeah, punk rock, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, the I toured the country for a few years in a band. I was playing drums and singing backup, and uh, that was a ton of fun. I, I think the largest stage I ever played on was actually the Golden Globe stage. Um, I played on the Golden Globe stage for Battle of the Bands and my band won. So that was my Dude, 15 minutes sweet. of fame, if you will. Heck yeah. But uh, yeah, I actually still play music these days. Uh, I actually, I sing in a 90s alternative, 90s and early 2000s alternative cover band. And my final show with them will be on May 12th, um, about one town over from where I grew up. So that's fun. And then... Uh, oh, man, they got a, I, a Instagram or... Yeah, the band is called The Rack and the Riddler. And all of us are from the wine and spirits industry. That's how we came up with the name. But uh, yeah, the band is still going to go on, but it's time for me to step away. I just don't have as much time because the woodworking thing has taken off so much more. And my day job has taken off so much more. But uh, I also get together with some buddies of mine, all of which were from high school. We get together about every six to eight weeks and we rotate through who picks the album we're going to learn. And we learn an album start to finish and play it all the way through. And I play drums and sing lead in that one. So, yeah. Okay, so question, question. Okay. This is going to be hard. Are you ready for this? Okay. Yep. So if you said. didn't, either one of these jobs, we're going to pay you, I don't know, $10 million a year to do. But you have to yep. pick one and you can never do the other. Would you do be in a band or would you do woodworking for the rest of if your you life? Had asked, if you had asked me that question 15 what? years ago, 100% it would have been music. But now that I have a family and I like seeing my family, uh, <laughs> I would pick the woodworking because I can be home every night. I can spend time with the family. And that's just, I mean, I'm, I'm going to turn 40 this weekend. So I'm just to that point in my life, but at 25, hey, happy birthday. I would have, oh, thank you. Um, I'm at the point in my life now where the thought of 
sleeping on the road and sleeping in a van and all that kind of stuff doesn't appeal to me. If I was going to be a musician full time, it would have to be at the like tour bus level and I'd have to be able to take the family with me. So um, that's just difference in where I'm at lifestyle wise now. But I'm you just, both you love both equally, basically. Oh, it's 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 a creative outlet for me, and I'm sure it was for, for sure. both you guys as well. Absolutely. In whatever you did, you know, you don't get into building things by hand without having some of a, a creative streak in you. And the of same course. thing goes for music. It's it's all just it comes from years of doing it and years of trying to find an outlet for that creativity. And Colton, as you've alluded to, the uh, sultry chocolate milk vocal tone just <laughs> yes, comes from yes. years of years of learning how to sing and doing it on stage and everything else. So, yeah, yeah. I would say that, that, that satisfaction, that tangible dopamine satisfaction, when you either write a song or learn a song that's difficult and you've pushed yourself and you get it just right. And everybody appreciates it. It's so feels so good. Just like when you make a piece of furniture that it was really uh, challenging and you get done with it 100%. or any of that. It's just, that's just human psyche in general. That's a great parallelism, man. Yes. Look at that. And strangely enough, the very last project I ever made in my senior, senior year, second semester or whatever it was. Yeah. Second semester woodshop class was a guitar and i oh, still wow. have that guitar uh, that's on my want to do list is to make a guitar uh but yeah from years of playing bass guitar first i wanted a guitar because when i put a guitar on because i'm a bigger dude it looks like a fat guy with a ukulele and so i wanted to make a God. guitar that had a bass <laughs> body and a guitar neck and that's what i made so i still have it but that was my woodshop class oh, I tried, Dude, you know, we, get, we gotta get see a picture of that man so you I will be on the social and yeah. Jess. So if you ask me that question, uh, screw y'all. <laughs> I'm going with the groupies, drugs, and tour buses, baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wait till you have kids. Yeah. Uh, Very I, I'm interesting. The, uh, so I would, the, I would pick the groupies, drugs, and all that. <laughs> I, I still so would. the sad part is on that note, I toured for years and I was kind of the band dad. Like I had to make sure that everybody else actually made it to the show. Hmm. And I was the kind guy of like the podcast the dad. And this and Just that. like the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Podcast still, dad. Yeah. yeah. Um, All right. But at the same token, not calling you. Dad. I was also running sound at a lot of our shows because we'd show up and they'd have this God awful PA system. Yep. And we toured yep. with one. So nine times out of 10, people thought I was either the PA guy, the sound guy, or just some roadie carrying gear in and out. Most people had no idea I was in the band at all. In fact, even when I was in college, um, when we were opening for Alkaline Trio on on campus, I had people coming up to me that I had known for like two or three years at that point. And they were like, dude, are you going to go to that minor league Alkaline Trio show? And I'm like, yeah, I I think I might go. And the minor (laughs) league was the band I was in. And they're like, dude, I'm actually, I'm really good friends with the drummer of the minor league. I'm like, really? That's awesome. Because that was me. (laughs) Um, and they didn't realize it. And so I was like, well, dude, I will see you there. I, I promise you. And like, Oh, wait, you you wouldn't let him off the hook. (laughs) Oh, no, no. I would get on stage. Oh man. I would look out and see them and they would just bury their head in their hand. They're like, Oh man. That is awesome. Oh, (laughs) that's fantastic. I would just let them hang themselves on it. So. So what's on the bench boys? Man, um, I'll kick it off. Uh, so 
we're working on a, a resin table this week, um, which I, I touched on in uh, our our interview podcast. Um, but I'll touch on it again. So the customer had come over and we were going to pour it together, right? And he, which is great for me because he has a very specific teal and black swirl that he's going for. And if he's right there with me, helping me shape the pigment, for one, it's going to be more what he likes. And two, I can't be to blame if it turns out different color-wise. But um, uh, love you, Garth. Can't wait to get this table What out. color is he going with, by the way? So, um, What kind of wood is it as well? Oh, so it's, uh, it's a black walnut slab. Uh, it's about two inches thick. And, you know, we did like a, a, the classic river table, split down the middle, flip the uh, live edges to the center. It's uh, it's gonna be about thirty two by forty nine. The what? Jet black epoxy? No, no, that's what I was talking about with the. Uh, it's like a teal black swirl. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and when you say a swirl, is it like a tie dye kind of thing, or are you just kind of merging the two, almost like you know um, a river? Yeah. So you uh, the ocean. So with the the resin, you just mix all of it together. And so we we did do a test piece uh, this week. We uh, did like two parts, like Caribbean blue, one part aluminum, and these are all just names of colors. Yeah, so two parts Caribbean blue, one part aluminum, and then one part like a uh, liquid metal pearl. Um, and so whenever you, or actually, we might have had like a black in there, like an onyx, too. But um, whenever you swirl it, like it's primarily that blue that's darkened down. But um, like whenever the resin is about to set when it's getting a little thicker, you know, you can stir it and like stir it up. And um, I'm sure you've seen river tables that have like the, the complex design. It looks like a bandana design almost. Mm -hmm. So I actually, I, I was going to ask you because I noticed in, in the videos you were posting about your, um, your cornhole boards, mm -hmm. you come through with a toothpick and you're doing this swirl thing. Yep. And I've never done that before. Is that just to get that swirl effect? Absolutely. Well, so, you know, as the uh, the resin's curing, it has like a kind of like a cyclone effect in it. Um, you know, where it's, it's like cycling through and the pigment will show it. will show that. Really? Yeah. Like the, the, the when when you color with mica powder, um, like if you color with alcohol ink, it, it, it would just be one solid color. Right. But um, what if you with, color with four mica color? Is is for mica the same as mica? I don't even know. I don't even know what. Jessica. Someone asked me the other day what mica powder uh, is. I use Wilson Art. I, I like, use for mica. Man, it's just really fine colory powder. But um, oh, but yeah. So you can like if you just leave it and don't stir it, like you can tell like in the in the center where it was coming through. Like say you pour like you do an inlay into a line, like a inch wide by six inches long, like the center of that will be the most rich of that color. And then it'll get darker towards the sides. And uh, you can tell where okay. it was like swirling inside and uh, as it was curing. And so what we do is right before it is when it gets pretty thick, not quite set yet, you go through and you can stir it. And um, how long is that? Uh, it totally depends on the resin you're pouring um, for the cornhole boards. I, we're actually using a tabletop resin. Um, so it's pretty cool. about a half inch thick and, uh, had about 40 to 55 minutes is my last mm -hmm. stir time. Cause mm -hmm. if you stir it too early, you know, it's going to keep cycling itself down. and it's going to, uh, you're going to lose your swirls. 
I, I did that with some white sounds... and trying to put blue in it once, and the blue just disappeared because I did it too soon. Mm-hmm. It just I know sank this to sounds dumb, but could you feasibly use Kool Aid as a dyeing agent? Hmm, I'm sure. You know what? So there's a YouTube channel, and they <laughs> said no epoxy, and they put everything you can think of. They put food, anything you can think of, in epoxy uh, to color it, and uh, it's pretty interesting. There's a bunch Did of guys work? that have done stuff like that. It depends. The food stuff turned brown. Yeah, I saw oh, one where they it. they encapsulated um like rose. Like, it was that. McDonald's, like fast food, and yeah. into like a table or something. And by the I, way, I think it did look, all right, but it kind of looked gross. Interesting fact: Mica is fool's gold. Really? Hmm. That's what fool's gold is. You'll see mica on like rocks and stuff, but that that you, that's what fool's gold is. Is mica? It looks just like gold, kind of. When it's I knew rock. a kid named Mica growing up, and he was a bit of a fool too. <laughs> <laughs> see, there you go. That's why yeah, they named there it. You that. Go. I got a cousin named yep. Mica. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But oh, that's good bull. But yeah, so whenever you're swirling, it's um, like the main part of the swirl. Like, say, pretend you're you have a, a popsicle stick and you're digging into this. Like the the main scoop of that will show the brighter color, and then on the edges of that, it'll have like the dark, like the the onyx and the aluminum colors coming through. And so it's hmm. a yeah, pretty specific color. But so you know, I saw got- I saw the picture you sent, and I don't know if it was just of the sample. I don't know if it was just the phone playing tricks with the color, but it looks gray in my on my screen. Yeah, no, I didn't it came blue it, at all. The first one came out a little dark, but um, once we, I think it looks cool. Yeah, well, thank you. But w- once we have a you don't have nothing a full to do with bucket, it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get it going. <laughs> the um now. Do you on on something like this? And this is purely me asking because I've never done a river table. Is it more advantageous to do a solid color pour through the to the total depth, or are you better to do a three quarter inch depth, like three quarters of the way full of that color, and then a clear on top of it? Uh, I mean, I, I'd say yeah, the full effect, like um, at at, at all of it, but all, it all depends what you're going for. Right, that like it gives you it, dimension. If I were to like clear coat the top, which that's not what you're asking about, but um, well, I mean, no, I, I, I would line. I would color the the whole the whole thing. Um, well, especially like once you start sanding it, um, you know, it, it's hard to polish back to like crystal clear. As far as like if you're doing clear on top right. of it, and so you, it'd be a lot of polishing if you put a level layer of clear over it yeah when i've seen people do a clear on top they have to polish to like an eight thousand grit with like automotive compound yeah correct yeah 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 and then it works which i i do have the buffer but um so on this table um you know we're not doing a complete tabletop like um epoxy right so there the the black walnut on each side is going to be exposed and my in the past, I would have just thrown some uh, walrus oil furniture butter on it, but oh, I I've uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I do love that stuff. However, I, I think for a like coffee table, I can do better than that. I I've been looking at Rubio. I've never used it. Uh, I heard lots of good stuff about it. I know you'll have some experience with it. Um, what's your take on that? Also, we're going for like kind of a matte finish. So. I've never used Rubio, but I can tell you the Total Boat Deep Penetrating Epoxy worked wonders. 
for giving that kind of a matte feel, but like it sealed everything super deep. And then you could put the Rubio on top for that matte feel. So uh, you put putting Rubio would, on top of the penetrating epoxy? So mm-hmm. the penetrating epoxy literally seeps into all the pores. You don't see it on top of the wood at all. It literally is the thickness of like simple syrup. If you've ever seen simple syrup yeah. or like, like Sprite almost where it's like slightly thicker than water and you just squeegee it on everything and it seeps into every pore and crevice and everything, but it doesn't, it doesn't leave a sheen or anything on top of it. So you could feasibly put something else on top of that, but it maintains the, the integrity of the wood. Is that like a stabilizer epoxy? Like where almost. people put in a pressurizer, it's just thin like that and just soaks in like a wood hardener almost. Yes. Does it darken yeah. the so wood? So basically, uh, so it does. In fact, if you go back and take a look at the outdoor table build that I just did, I put down, that reminds me, I need to finish doing the voiceovers for that to put, publish that YouTube video. But uh, on a separate note, if you go back and look on my Instagram feed at the outdoor table, um, I actually did the difference of like, before and after with the penetrating epoxy and it was pretty drastic but like it made the grain pop like you wouldn't believe really yeah very interesting i've never heard anybody doing that i've always been like looking at doing that um i haven't so yeah because one thing on this table like it's a common thing to like brush on a layer of epoxy before you pour your deep pour right because uh Mm -hmm. or like pour like a quick setting Um, mm-hmm. which on this one, I think I was not going to do that because there's a, a good layer of sapwood around, uh, on both edges of this board. And I kind of wanted the, uh, the thin set, like, so, uh, the fat what's yeah, we're using the total boat fathom, which, uh, you can yeah. pour up the two inches thick. It's kind of yeah revolutionary product for them. Um, but so I was going to pour all two inches. Does it recommend, does it recommend any kind of like edge? epoxy before you put it on especially on sapwood uh it, it doesn't mention in, in the instructions but um, i would say i've seen that both you probably don't because it's going to set so slow that all the bubbles are going to come out that which is what you're trying to avoid right you're trying to keep it from getting yeah. bubbles after the fact if it's going to set that slow from my experience it should be okay i, I so always I feel it. i'm bubbles, terrified of it but i i did want it so here's my problem um I did. I want it to soak into the wood and like strengthen up that sapwood, right? Because that's not the, the strongest part of this table, and um, I wanted it to I would, soak into the sapwood, make it stronger, and um, yeah, I wasn't worried about bubbles, but um, I was concerned that if it got to, I don't you call them not sapwood, like the main heart of the wood, that it would yeah. discolor it. But there is a good layer of sapwood on there. Um, I would even take a look at the deep penetrating epoxy for just that sapwood. Yep. Cause mm-hmm. if you seal off that with yep. the deep penetrating stuff, it'll stop it from getting to any of the standard hardwood. Yep. And then you won't have the discoloration. Even if you just brush it on yep. to the, the edges, wherever the epoxy is going to touch it, that's probably your best line of defense. Uh, it takes two days for it to cure though. So mm-hmm. you if you're going to do the, the pour. Yep. <laughs> well, I know well, all about is that. It, I know two days for that. for a, a full cure. Is, I mean, mm-hmm. you could. Uh, well, you want to catch yeah. it before it's fully cured, right? 
well, you can if you, so if you, you catch it after, you just sand it a little bit, scruff it up, so that the uh, the new epoxy has to something to grip onto. Right, right. Which I, well, I, I'm not trying to cut corners it, on this. I, yeah, time is no. The is difference is it doesn't. It you can still technically like feel the pores of it. It's just seeped way into it and like put a layer of protection like down below the surface. And yeah, I, I, I like I've been it. meaning to get a a batch of that uh, penetrating epoxy for a while. I you know, I, I should do it. I will I should do you, it and play around I, with it. After workbench con. Uh, after talking to Jess, because I was like, yeah, I have to build this outdoor table. I'm just going to put epoxy on there. And you were like, that's a horrible idea. It's going to turn <laughs> yellow and it's going to come off of it and get sticky. It could. And I was like, well, that, I, I don't know what to do then. So I talked to the people at Total Boat at WorkbenchCon and they were like, yeah, definitely don't do your standard tabletop epoxy. Do the dark, dark penetrating hardener um, or the dark penetrating epoxy. And then um, I use the... Idea. Uh, well, you, you, not in so many words, but you scared the I'm hell much, out of me to where I didn't didn't want to have uh, a bad product. Yeah. I, I got a question. Um, well, it, uh, sorry, you got yeah, you, sorry, keep going. <laughs> it was the no, sorry, my bad. Um, it, they they told me to put the um, Halcyon on top, so I did like six. That's coats of Halcyon. literally what I was about to ask. What the hell is Halcyon? So I, Halcyon is basically their. Uh, it's their spray-on version of what would be essentially like a water-based polyurethane, but it's, theirs it's is spray-on. So you put it in a sprayer. Yeah, you can spray it, you can roll it, however you want to do it. But it self-levels kind of the way that um, a lacquer would, and you can reapply the next coat within an hour. Really? I've never. I've it, never it, used is it. Is it like I've UV it. grade? Like yeah, it's marine grade, UV grade. It was awesome. It's designed to be and a I literally finish, put, you said? Uh, it is designed to be a protector, and that's why for this piece that I made, because it was an outdoor um, an outdoor furniture piece, it needed to have more UV protection and more protection from drinks and everything else that potentially could get set on it and just rain. So that's why I, I did that process. But I can, uh, I've watched many of a woodworker use Halcyon clear for just sealing up, you know, plywood pieces or whatever's going to be in their shop furniture because they want the protection, but they don't want to use polyurethane. That was my next question. Literally. I was going to ask like, well, it's got to be a lot more expensive than like a water-based polyurethane. It's like $37 for a quart. Quart. But I will tell you, I, I got six coats with the sprayer out of one yeah, quart. It's pretty thin. You cut it. Yeah. No, 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 I put it right no, in and cut just it. spray it. Man. And then it rinses out with water from your gun. So that, that would, would it be, a, uh, maybe not cost effective, but would it be a great finish for these cornhole boards? Like going yes. onto that birch plywood? Yes. Yeah. It'd be a good finish for anything. But yeah. Yeah. All right. You well, could probably I probably put two coats on. How, how many, there's four quarter, four quarts in a gallon. Correct. Yeah, correct. Court. yeah that's, that's quite a bit for a gallon. <laughs> for a gallon, um, the water-based polyurethane. What? I, it's like what sixty. So let me gallon, ask this: Do you are you are you painting any of your cornhole boards, or are they just straight, straight birch ply? Um, stained. Most of them are oil, okay. oil-based stained. 
And then I uh, okay. do a water-based polyurethane coat. I, I do yeah, a few coats of sand between. Yeah. It's so the one thing I was going to say is. Gallon, by the way. Okay. That's not. They drop it down some instead okay. of being. Yeah. How much yeah, is it? It should be 140. 130 for four, for a gallon. Do they have a three-gallon price on there? They have a pint or a quart. That's not three gallons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, I don't know. The there's a lot of them are selling it with like have you ever seen Total Boat? They do stuff in like little pouches so you don't waste anything, yeah. which I kinda like. Yeah. yeah uh, that's how I've seen the house yeah, and every time I've seen it, it's in a pouch. Yeah. Yeah, yep. that's how they do it. Probably because it dries so fast, even when you open the lid, you'd start to get little crumblies in it. So I would I would that's say that's why the packaging's like that. Yeah. So you don't waste any. Did y'all know I almost <laughs> bought uh Total Boat by the drum? Uh, I did not isn't it that. hard to dispense? I, I, I've never used a drum, but, uh, you know, what last year, uh, what was it towards the end of the year? Well, right after I had sold all these cornhole boards, I knew I needed a shit ton of resin and I, whatever, I was trying to start ordering in bulk, save money on things. And so I, I started reaching out to all these because we were using total boat and their, uh, their slow hardener. Um, with their high performance epoxy and that's what we were pouring these cornhole boards with and it's pretty freaking expensive when you buy it by the the three gallon and i think then there might be a six gallon like price step but after that it's it's a gallon it's a the barrels and like their barrels are what 55 gallons and yes um yeah, so it's going to be like eight or nine grand for uh, this this barrels, um, you know, like one one barrel of the uh, epoxy, one barrel of the uh, the hardener. I, I think it no, it was, it was, it was two to one. It was two to one. Oh, uh, you know, you know what's a fun fact on on that same ratio is if if you go onto Amazon and you're looking for synthetic oil because you need it for your vehicle. If you just type in synthetic oil, you can actually get an entire 55-gallon drum of what's it work body, out to? Well, body lubricant. Oh, or yeah. Like sexual things. <laughs> you can buy it by the drum. And I learned that because I was trying to find synthetic <laughs> oil for my car. Well, what if like, you're gonna oh. have a wrestling thing like in, in old I, school? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, KY. That's how they did it in the Matrix when they came out of those pods. There was KY jelly. That's how they did it. We've been in one of those. Uh, You know, (laughs) wait. You've been in one of those pods. I'm going to totally do a tangent here. All right. So too late. So my family, uh, my my mom runs. This is going to be a good tangent. Going from KY to your family. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you had me at family. Go ahead. Yeah. You're not wrong. Well, um, it is Texas. So, uh, what my uh, it, I, my mom's the main boss right now. But um, what so we do B and B catering, right? And they're the uh, the biggest outside vendor for food, uh, uh, mostly concessions for Texas Motor Speedway, right? And this, I think they started it back when I was in high school, right? And we uh, so we would always go to the races because we were working them. And we would stay in the camper and, you know, it, at night we would sneak off and try to find some beer. Right. And, oh, I, I feel actually feel really bad about it. Like 
we went and like, you know, we'd try it. Like we'd steal coolers. Right. And, um, cause we were trying to get beer, which seemed more ethical whenever you were just trying to get the beer. But in hindsight, we stole some like Yetis and stuff. And I feel really bad about that now. Anyway. It's one thing I think about often, but, um, one night we got caught up. They used to party a lot harder out there and they started cracking down on it. And there was a, the oil wrestling pit. You got girls in bikinis wrestling and whatever. And Sweet. yeah, it was nuts. We, uh, we lost our friend Corey out there and we didn't know if he was going to wind up dead in a ditch or whatever. And we didn't, we, we looked around for him. We couldn't find him. But finally in the morning, uh, like right before we were leaving to go to the concession stands, he busts in the, the trailer door and uh, right in front of my mom, like missing a shoe, like just totally wrecked. It was like, all right, let's get to work. <laughs> but, Gosh. but yeah, that's some. Uh, Had he been KY wrestling? Can't yes. KY yeah. Wrestling? We, we all smelled like that nasty whatever they had. Oh I, I think so. At one point, they actually ran out of like the nice stuff she's the nice oil. KY and the uh, no vegetable oil. oh and Lord. so we all smelled like deep vegetable oil. it was it was bad but <laughs> yeah so That's side tangent i had a friend in college that was obsessed with dipping his testicles into glitter it was pretty nuts <laughs> <laughs> all right never heard so that before is, that's a good what one it's on uh, your <laughs> bench let's move on this me along. uh on yes. my bench um I actually, uh, I figured out the joinery today for the antique table repair. And so I did the dry fit on that. I just have a little bit of sanding and cleanup to do before I affix those permanently. But I am currently working on two separate things. Number one, refinishing one of the doors from the custom doors doors that I had. uh, Yeah, the double doors that I had installed. I I took one of them back to the shop. I got to get working on that. And then... I have to start building out a couple different things. I actually got a, another request today. Somebody wants me to build them a custom outdoor backgammon table, which I didn't know was a necessity these days, but that'll be interesting. Yeah. So I got to learn about backgammon to be able to build That's the table. That's a lot of correctly. triangles, isn't it? Yeah. It is. It that's is, cool. which is the strongest really of all triangles. shapes. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. So I'm, I'm going to try and do a table that's more like a coffee table, essentially like a long lower coffee table with an inlaid. Um, and I may reach out to you, Colton, about potentially doing it as yeah. um, epoxy pours, but we'll see. Uh, but either way, I'm going to see it? if I can do. Are you going to make the pieces too, the little things? Uh, I don't know. They haven't asked me about that. I have a couple people up here in Chicagoland that I could reach out to as far as creating the the actual pieces out of it well, it's just uh, pucks right some... yeah yeah oh you could totally maybe do i'll that. have you do it you know you do like like half in black walnut half in maple you know and they'd be yeah. the different colors that would look sharp that's pretty yeah. cool so that sounds like a fun um, but project. yeah the so the whole table will be they said 23 inches high which seems short to me when they were initially asked and then they told me it was a backgammon table and i was like oh okay well that makes right, sense leaning over it yeah yeah so they said 49 wide no, 49 long, 29 wide, and 23 high. So it's basically a, a slightly larger coffee table to be able to play backgammon on. Um, so I'm not actually mobile. Just, not so mobile. I'm finalizing just... that stuff right now with the customer, like wood varietal. Is it going to be outdoor or indoor? Like that kind of stuff. But they're leaning more towards an outdoor piece. 
So mm-hmm. I may almost try and have it be out of whether I do dusty fart wood again, <laughs> um, or I do something else and then kind of protect it so that it's a backgammon table that has the, the inlay of the table on it. So we'll see. Yeah. Wait, cool so you said you're between yeah. wood inlays versus epoxy. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm going to build the board out of wood and then kind of have it as one piece that drops in almost like a chessboard wood. Or if I'm going to have it be an inlay of epoxy that is then perfectly set into the table and I do the pours separately. So all the whites are, you know, poured to one side, all the, the blacks are poured at a different time. Yeah. So that well, it you seems pour... like it's a little bit more contiguous. If you make a little dam, like out of, um, like, so when I, when I'm making a dam, like between, like, say I was pouring two triangles really close together, you just lay, lay down some, uh, packing tape and then take a razor blade, cut around the edge of it and then put a strip of hot glue in between it. Oh, Okay. Yeah, Chris Martin. and um, I like yeah, that. it makes a little dam, and then it, it peels up. Because I was gonna say you have a you have some pretty industrial uh, planers and drum sanders, right? Yeah, that's not the issue. Yeah, I just need to like, make sure that like the be- hard part is, I the the board has to be a certain width, but I the table is going to be wider than my planer is, so I got to make sure that the table is or the the gaming board is perfectly level, and I just drop it in to the table or build it into the table. Is it wider so, than your drum sander? Uh, I don't have a drum sander. I have a planer that's 20 inches wide, but oh, the yeah. table is going to be 23. I got you. Or 23 high, 29 wide. So that's how we, we do it on the, on with the cornhole boards is like a 25 inch drum sander. Um, okay. Without, well, actually, so you can go to mills um you can bring it in may and use it in my shop i got a 43 <laughs> you gotta bring that thing on a flight and check baggage uh, yeah overhead bin here we come yeah by the way i looked it up the other day my planer's 15 horsepower i i thought it was 10 it was 15 <laughs> Good lord i can't yeah. picture that but and the drum center's 25 yeah man i can't yeah, I wait to, to ask, be there is, in may like and the slider's is, 10 horsepower i was wrong is about the all motor is the motor for like a 15 horsepower tool? Is it literally the size of like a floor tom would be for a drum set? On the the planer, I don't know. I, I can't see it. It's underneath. I've never opened it up. Mm. Um, I know that it weighs a couple thousand pounds, but um, I had your I had your planer, the one that you have, Ross. Okay. Uh, the grizzly version of it the it says yep. extreme or whatever it is yeah and it was really good um but it was just that those few inches i wanted that extra not even 24 the 25 and it's That's i mean i put it's all about that extra I, inch yep <laughs> it's all about that extra inch bro mm-hmm. it is all about that extra inch and if i had I a just, nickel for that man i'd have I also, five ten it's cents also, <laughs> it's, it's it's also um i don't know just like Bench tops and coffee tables. It's just you just run everything you went through. So it was something we splurged on, and it's I really love it. I absolutely love it. The other thing I love about it is it holds down. You can run boards of different thicknesses in because you know yeah. how like there's a bar and it accommodates the tallest one, and then it doesn't pull the other ones in. Yeah, this one has they're all spring loaded about an inch and a quarter, inch and a half wide each one every inch and a half so that way if you run one that's like say three quarters and one that's five eight then you're running them all just below five eighths it'll pull them all in and 
dude, that's awesome. Yeah. It's that's really awesome. Great. I love it. Yeah. All right. So you want to hear what's on my bench? Or are you I done? Do. I'm sorry. No, I, I wanted I, to hear uh, what's on your bench. Well, last thing oh, I was going to say for Ross was uh, maybe you could take that, if you do go with the epoxy route, um, like to a mill, and then uh, use their industrial planer or sander. And a lot of so I do have, of, they'll pay by the hour. I do have one place around me that I get lumber from that I could do that at, but they only do it if you purchase the lumber from them. Mm -hmm. They're willing to put it through and they'll charge you by the hour. Um, I have a better suggestion. What's that? that You won't have to do anything with any of it. Just in, if you might even have one, just make a router slide. It's not that big. I do have a router sled. Do I like that? Do I like, do I like said router sled? No. Get you the um, bit. Get you the bit that's got the interchangeable um, carbide tips in it. Oh, I have that. It's just yeah, it's you still don't like not, it. No, it's because mine is a janky setup that like I literally had to put like a cabinet handle on to hold well, it straight while I'm going it. back and forth. It's it's easier for me to take it to the people I've met around the area who have a CNC well, and just tell course. them to flatten. Yeah, it. Of, of I'll course. bring that bit to them and say, yeah, put this in your your CNC and let's go. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, yeah, yeah. What's yeah. the what's the dimensions on this thing again? Twenty three high, twenty nine wide, forty three long. Twenty three, twenty nine. All right. What we said forty. Twenty three. What? Forty three long. Twenty. Forty three. Twenty nine. Twenty three high. Forty nine length. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Forty three length. Twenty nine width. Twenty three high. Twenty three high. You mean? Centimeters? No, no, inches. Oh, 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 you're saying the entire. T- <laughs> I, yeah. It's a table. I, I'm talking about the, the, the slab on top. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, Sorry. God. I was like, wait, is this. <laughs> I was like, that's really thick. Is it, like, that's not like this eight quarter talk we're talking about. Like, no, that's okay. <laughs> no. That's, a, that's, so just, a, that's 114 quarter. Yeah. Um, What's on my bench? Uh, <laughs> the same thing that's that's been on my bench for a while. I was. Um, talking to you guys about it earlier this week i i finished i actually finished it today well i shouldn't say finished it but it's pretty close to finish we, we were making room in the shop so we walled in that that back area put t111 on that we started painting it got it trimmed out today i just have to make the doors that's pretty much all that's left now are you doing barn doors on it i am doing swinging barn doors one side will be a little over eight feet wide which is where the cnc is going to come through can you do me a favor? Once you finish said barn doors, can you do like a Gene Kelly singing in the rain video of like the oh, barn door God. swinging open like, and like Whoa! swing on it? You better yeah. be. I better be able to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and um, what else? Uh, now you, the people you did next door that us? you were working on that. You were finishing up the punch list on that house. So that is tomorrow, starting tomorrow. Oh. So a little bit of stucco, a little bit of trim. Um, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, some sheetrock cracks, that's it. And it will be done. We were going to do board and batten. He was adding more yep. and his wife talked him out of it. Thank you. Yeah. Let me ask so this because you do, do you do so many different little, like whether it's handyman things or uh, like you do the stucco, you do the framing, you do the, this, the, that, what is your least favorite job to do on All the job it. site? All of it. All okay. Of it. That's fair. All of it. Anything to do with any of it. Um, because I hate tile work almost more, I, mean, I think. I hate tile work more than I hate sanding drywall, which is we hard laid the to say. Floors, we laid the floors in there. 
I mean, we took up the floors. Um, I've done sheetrock and stucco and, you know, I, I don't mind trim work so much. I mean, it's hard on my back doing baseboards and stuff, but like doors and stuff, I don't, I hate hanging doors in yeah. older houses. I just hate that. I found but that out. I, I really hate doing drywall. I, I don't like it at all because it's just everything's so crooked and I can't make it as straight as I want. So you're just kind of disguising it. And in Florida, I, I don't, like you guys, it's not like that up there. Everything's textured. So to patch something that's already been textured, you can't really patch it. Why do they do that? I actually, because they, I wonder. The sheetrock is crap. That's why they're covering it all up. It's fast. Is that, is that why? Like they put the popcorn ceilings on. It I was too? about to say Saint. That's all ceilings. of it. Yeah. All of it. All of it. A I always reasons. wondered that. Like I would lay in. I lay Jeez. in a hotel in some of these tiny towns. I have to travel to, and you're staying at the only hotel in town. You look up. You're like. Why in God's name would they put this freaking popcorn ceiling because up? Because they put the popcorn up because you have concrete ceilings in a hotel. So that is high coverage. They prime it and spray popcorn and it's done, right? And it's also acoustic mm. to a point. It quietens the room down. Hmm. So it doesn't sound like you're in a, a you know, I'm in a cave. Well, I, I was right. going to say the same reason why they put like laminate tile over hardwood floors. We right. see a lot in these older Which houses in Houston. Yeah, fast and done, and and the, and the same thing with the texture, the spray hopper on the walls. They, you know, it's just fast and quick. Somebody started doing it. I don't know who, and um, you know, houses used to have plaster, plaster inside. Yes, you know what I'm talking. I've like had to work on a few of those houses. It's not right. fun. And and plasters, uh, um, and there there was types of plaster where they would sand finish it almost like stucco they would texture it and that was considered higher end than smooth get don't ask me but it was considered oh, higher end it took than more time plaster. that's why right so you know that i don't know but so to patch i just don't i just hate drywall i don't i don't hate any of it because i do enjoy the process of it but I hate going to a house with tools and then not having what I need to have. And then I got to go back to the shop or I got to go to the store. That's the part that I hate. And, and then having finished work around you that has to be covered and not get messed up and so on and so forth. You see what I mean? That's the part oh, yeah. that I really don't like. So, mm -hmm. um, but we're almost done with it. And, uh, and then it's on to, to different things. We got to start moving equipment around and electrical and stuff like that at the shop um, and dust collection is was is metal so i've got to buy some things and move some things so that we can move all the stuff and and then uh and then we'll hopefully the cnc will be here towards the end of may and you guys are supposed to come Hell so yeah. damn straight everything everything always seems to have been working out lately so maybe it we will. gotta bring our maybe guitars too yeah <laughs> dude actually yeah. just yeah. oh man i think this would be kind of a, a good segue because you have so much more knowledge on overall woodworking and just random wood knowledge facts i appreciate we wanted that. to start another segment to this show uh to kind of showcase some of the amazing i don't want to say useless facts that you know but the amazing things that you know and well um, some trivia shit yeah i get yeah. it all from books books yeah. and online leather bound okay books, the smell so of rich mahogany <laughs> the i thought we would start doing a wood of the week because not everybody that's listening to this podcast knows anything about wood at all, right? It that's might true. Be, you know, like you know what a bow tie is, but everybody else doesn't know what. Bow I'd be tie impressed is. if they made it this far without any woodwork. You know what I mean? So, true. Uh, 
And then wood, there's so many types of wood out there that we don't use. I mean, name it, Ross. You probably use five, ten. Yeah, that probably different ten, types. Ten's more than me, yeah. man. Like mostly because it's five, what we can yeah. get. It's what people can afford. And and wood is is a look. You know, you're going for a yes. certain look, and people yep. don't want something that they've never seen before. It depends on where you live too. Like if you're in Costa Rica, they want different kinds of wood than if you're in correct. You know, Florida or Chicago. Yeah, you get some jack sock who's like, I need all Paduke in this house. You're like, <laughs> that's yeah. not gonna work. And some woods uh, don't go good inside. Like Ipe doesn't. Um, uh, Ipe does okay inside, but no, it actually needs know. more moisture, right? Like humidity really in the air. It. Yeah, I've so seen it, somebody make a staircase out of Ipe, and it all fell apart. It all twisted up no. because yeah, it, it was so dry. Yep, especially if you're doing it in like Arizona, that's not a good idea. No, it's made for like time. rainforest climates, and it can ha- handle any kind of outdoor conditions as long as the there's oil. moisture. You know where it's from? Yeah, you don't. Where they yeah, it's actually from Brazil. Uh, ah, yeah. All right, so the wood that I the wood of the week is Ron Jeremy. <laughs> stink wood. Stink wood. Stink wood. So the reason that stink I thought wood. of it is it's is Put some to stank me, on it's it. a lot it's it's a lot like Ipe. Um the reason that it's called stink wood is it comes from South Africa. It's actually Cape Olive is what they call it because it comes from an area in the Cape Peninsula in South Africa, but called uh stink out which is the area so that's why they call it stink wood but it stinks like i would assume dusty farts when you cut it yeah it has a terrible smell when you cut it but it's extremely uh hard and heavy it comes in lighter woods and darks but like the dark stink wood is for comparison so it weighs about 50 pounds per cubic foot so you know one by one by one Cubic foot, it weighs about 50 pounds. Balsa wood weighs somewhere around 5 to 10 pounds. So if Whoa. that shows you, it's 10 mm. times heavier than that. What color um, range is it looking like? Is there a comparable so color? So it's from like a light brown to a really, really dark brown. Like a Almost really, like a, like like a really dark deeper walnut. Deeper than walnut. Deeper oh. than walnut when it's wet. Oh, really? Like it's very, very dark. Getting yeah. way, way down. Way dark. It's got that stank on um, it. It dulls your blades really bad. It dulls your blades really bad. That is one of the the biggest characteristics about it's very hard to work with. It does okay with saws and machinery, but mostly it's used for fine cabinets and things like that uh, and wood turning. People use it in South Africa. But here, I think you would probably only see it like maybe in veneers. I looked it up online right now, and I can buy some, and it's about $40 a board foot, but it's all just one, one tiny little piece that you can get. Oh. So I'm assuming people would use, make veneers out of it. I, I would. And I would or guess. pen blanks. Could oh, be, yeah. you know, some small things like that. A lot of people use it to make uh, handles for things like woodworking things, or you can make a plain good, bottom like, out of tensile it. Tensile strength or rigidity for that. It is extremely, extremely dense. So it doesn't bend very well. It's very, very, very strong. Um, you can't nail it. You can't put a screw in it. Uh, it glues. Okay. So it's not super oily. So you're um, doing a whole bunch of joinery is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, it would be, it would be like a really fancy floor over there. Like it's just ultra durable, ultra hard, ultra strong. And, um, the trees don't get very big, maybe three to five feet in circumference and only maybe like 80 feet high at the most. 
So, only. Yeah, that, that, I was thinking only. only yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, some trees get super redwoods get you know, even pine yeah. trees get taller than that. So well, pine anyway, so that's your wood of the week. Wait, so I, I have a oh, theory like question it. about that. So uh, talking about how heavy and dense this wood is, does that always directly correlate with like abrasive resistance? You know, kind of like like how hard maple is probably the most abrasive. I would say the density. I, I would say the density. There's a way to measure density. There's a, a machine that measures the dent that a certain uh, calibrated weight leaves in it, mm-hmm. and they measure it. But I don't know what it is. But yes, that would definitely make a difference how hard it was to sand. Well, I, I'm saying I would have to imagine like, it's uh, similar. To- Go ahead. I was going to say it's probably similar to like an IQ machine to let you know how dense you are. <laughs> I'll let you interrupt so for that. Anyway. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I mean, no, the um, I, I say like as far as uh, abrasive resistant, as far as like using for a cutting board, for example. Um, right. You know, like yeah, like, like it, purple heart, olive wood, stink wood. I think actually purple heart in some instances is harder. It just depends, but um, yes, it would be great, great for a cutting board. I don't know about anything to do with, um, like whether it's food safe. Sure, that I don't know. That I don't know. Have you guys seen on YouTube? There's a woodworker who built a Rubo style workbench entirely out of Purple Heart. He's down in Australia. Yes. Yes. All I can imagine is he had to resharpen his tools like every 20 minutes. And they would look probably like a pencil that you sharpen too far down at the end. Like you know, you know who Daniel Dunlap is? Man. You know who Daniel yeah. Dunlap is? So he made bow ties. He makes bow ties. And he said his uh, – and he also makes um, – one of the many things that he makes. But he also makes uh, minor saw inserts for people, zero clearance minor saw inserts. Okay. So like for Bosch's and Rigid's and all kinds of different for people. And he, he's – uh, he makes one CNC. He told me that the Purple Heart ones all warped. Every single one of them. He quit hmm. making them. Purple Heart was the biggest problem that he had with it. So I want warped. Yeah. But it's also very thin. I will say it's probably half inch or three eighths oh, yeah. for a, a, a table saw insert. But I wonder how. I've never used it, to be honest I, with you. I, I don't think. I've, I've made a ring box out of Purple Heart. Um, yeah. It, it went pretty well. But it, it was pretty thick. We had uh, some hidden hinges on it. and. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Did you have the issue when you finished it that it turned brown? No. No. So I've I've used Purple Heart quite a bit for um, whether it's charcuterie boards or I did a couple cutting boards just for a variety of color. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know if it was food safe or not. I was too early in my career to care. But um, I remember I had pieces of Purple Heart that I've, I had sitting around and as they sat well, to, to Jess's point, they twisted like crazy. So I got to use less and less of it, especially the thinner they got. But I noticed when you finish Purple Heart and like put stain on it, it actually turns brown and doesn't turn purple until it like fully soaks Stain on the- it or clear coat on it? Doesn't matter. Like any kind of moisture on there at first as you're putting... like It oxidizes a- it or yeah, something? Yeah, so like I would put like walrus oil on there and it turned it all like brown. And it wasn't until everything had totally like dried, like two or three days and later, the tannins that it would come leach back. back out. Yeah. yeah, it would come back to the purple tone. Really? I, oh, I will tell you this. I think I, pro- I, I probably use walrus oil, the furniture butter. 
on my You know that like trick where you mix steel wool and vinegar together to make things gray? Yeah. Have you ever ever heard of that? Mm-hmm. They even made a product at uh Home Depot that they were selling for a while and you could just brush on it with oxidized wood and turn it gray. This yeah. is great. And I would show people the stuff and they're like, that's wonderful. Like, all right, all I gotta do is clear coat it. And as soon as you put the clear coat on it, it would turn bright purple. Really? All the whole thing. It was terrible. Yeah. And it didn't go away. So we had to scratch that whole idea. Yeah. I think I actually have a can of that in my shop that I've never used. Oh, the steel wool that you dissolved? Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Like the the one that was pre-done from Home Depot. Oh, yeah. It works. It's it's like magic. And you put it it in the sun, it does it even faster. Yeah. It was like the wood aging... Yeah. Like rub on stuff. It's it's just an oxidizer of some sort. I don't know what it's it doesn't even smell like anything when you open it. It looks hmm. clear, there's nothing to it. You brush it on, it's like magic. It turns gray. I don't think I've ever used it. It's been in my shop for probably two years. Well, don't clear coat it because it will turn purple. Oh, good to know. Very purple. Good to know. All right. What's the whiskey of the week, boys? My, mm. For my alcoholics. So uh <laughs> for our alcoholic friends out there, I'm actually gonna yeah. uh revert back to the United States to something a little bit different. Um, this is a whiskey that it, it claims to be an Alabama whiskey. It's actually called Clyde Mays, M-A-Y-S. But uh, it's actually sourced from MGP, which is a sourcing distillery in Lawrenceburg, Indiana. And in all honesty, about 65% of all the bourbons and 85 to 90% of all the ryes in America are actually from there. But uh, it is the only whiskey I have ever had that to me... Smells like and smells and tastes like suburban accomplishment. And what I mean by that is you take a taste of it and the finish of it smells like fresh cut grass. And it reminds me of like on a Saturday, you've just cut your grass in the middle of summer and you get that fresh cut grass smell and you sit out on your porch or your deck and you sit there sipping a glass of whiskey, looking at what you just did and you feel proud and accomplished. That's what this whiskey tastes like. So really? I would recommend that one. It's usually around 30 bucks. Um, it's, it Dude. does, it'll dandle, it'll dandy well, but uh, yeah. it's, as I said, we'll, it's we'll the only one that. I've ever, <laughs> uh, it's the only one I've ever had that, that smelled of suburban accomplishment. Hell yeah. Uh, it's like 80 so, proof. Yeah. All right. And they have a bunch of different age statements and, and uh, marks, but just their base standard whiskey bang for the buck for 30 bucks is pretty solid yeah and for the the whiskey of the week uh last week as far as the review so uh you know we already recorded yesterday but uh with with our interview that's coming out in the next week however um, i have had a second taste tasting of the old elk and i i must (laughs) say it's like all right picture you're in a rainforest right and you can hear the monkeys going like, right? Uh, the monkeys are going <laughs> off. There we go. That's a good monkey. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're peaceful. That's what she said. And you see a butterfly <laughs> in the distance, like slowly. It's almost in slow mo at this point. It's flapping in its wings and it's flying towards you. And you get, you stay still, and it lands right on your nose. Uh-huh. And then you smell a tire burning on a fire nearby. <laughs> 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 but the butterfly's still on your nose, and. Um, but in a good way. No. It, it, old Does, elk is does a that good sound one. accurate? Does that sound accurate, Ross? Uh, all except for the burning tire part. <laughs> yes. It is, it is It is not a peated Isla Malt. I'll, I'll say that. 
but the rest of it sounded good. Yeah. Well, I no. I have also prepared a so we did a wood of the week. I have also prepared a useless wood fact of the week. If you guys would like to hear it, I mean, let's get after the first, the first ever. So, first of all, we talked. I said bow ties earlier, right? So I do do wear bow ties from time to time. Okay, well, the bow tie inlays that we were talking about. Yep. Do you know? um, Have you ever heard other things that they're called? I've heard Dutchman. Yes, I've never heard that. And I have heard uh, what's the other one? That's the only one I can think you of. You just said moment. it, actually. That's what made me think of it. Oh. Or Colton um, did. Butterfly? Butterfly. Butterfly oh, joint. nice. Butterfly joint. Butterfly joint, bow tie, dovetail key, Dutchman joint, or the Nakashima joint. So basically, as far back as they can find, and there's arguments about it, in 1894, there were some boats that uh, were at Dasher. It says the pyramid complex of the Kakuri Sinwarset the third at Dasher. So they saw some of these. The guy recorded that he saw these butterfly joints uh, used to help shore up the planking or whatever. They actually kind of acted more like it would had been set in the the faces to provide strength, um, and maybe that the people that were excavating this archaeological dig or whatever put those there to keep the planks from breaking. So they weren't really sure there's like this whole argument about it, Mm. but the person that started using them was George Nakashima in the United States in the 1950s, because he was making those woodworking pieces that were very organic, very, very beautiful. If you ever want to Google some beautiful stuff, an original, original design, that guy. Um, And he, and he put them, and he put them in there because he wanted to leave the cracks. So he put those in there to short the cracks came from, and, and they are very pretty. So, so strange. And it's called enough, the Dutchman. Uh, let me tell you real quick. The Dutchman yeah. joint, the reason that they call it the Dutchman was because um, in San Francisco during the gold rush, there was a bunch of European craftsmen that came to California to earn a living. And so somehow the term Dutchman is, was the slang that was given to the woodworking process of inserting patches. Really? So I was actually going to say, you mentioned that, like archaeological dig and the boat and everything. Mm-hmm. There is an exhibit, and I don't know if this is the same boat, but there is an exhibit at the Chicago um, Field Museum, which is our natural history museum. And mm-hmm. there is a boat that is from ancient Egypt that actually mm-hmm. has hundreds of bow ties holding together all the planks of the boat. And it predates written history. Like this boat. So do you is think older... that they put them in there? The, no, the people I mean, these look up? like it. I mean, the in all honesty, they look like they had been there matching from day one. And uh, my guess Very is that's actually how they held together the planks. Um, they probably put some sort of glue and everything, but that oh, was and then probably it wedges, they, it probably wedges in, yeah. yeah. And then as the wood swells, as it's wet, it then also holds it all together. And it's it... oh, right. So if you taper a dovetail, it'll pull it together as you nail it in. Very interesting. Wow. Oh, shit. 
Well, like you, well, we're all about triangles today. That's basically what that is. Yeah, is a is a triangle. So yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, very interesting. Speaking of the bow ties, um, there is one crack on that resin table we talked about um, earlier, and I need to get y'all's feedback on it. Um, maybe maybe in the next yes. maybe in the next the pod. Yes. So Garth, uh, the customer, uh, we were we were talking about he has a way party to, on Garth to uh, <laughs> party on party Garth. On. Yeah. We're going to wait. Put it on Wayne. Um, he, uh, he has a way to cut aluminum, right? And so we were thinking about how thick to make the bow tie. And um, yeah, we were looking at doing, uh, yeah, a metal, metal bow tie. And I think so. That's cool. Are you looking for a recommendation or are you looking Absolutely. for. Yeah, hit me with it. I, I've never done a metal bow tie. So. Okay. So overall, typically your bow tie, you want it to be. Um, somewhere between a quarter to half of the total thickness of the piece of wood that you're putting it into. So if you're doing a one inch thick piece of wood, you want up to a half inch thick bow tie, but no less than a quarter inch thick. So the one thing I will say for the metal, you have to make sure you get the, the CNC cut if you're doing it that way, or the depth of it unbelievably dialed in. Because usually with a bow tie, you come back with a hand plane and or a chisel and just get everything flush. But you're going to have to make sure you are unbelievably dialed in on the thickness to make sure that well, when you, it you goes can... in, you're not. So this is what I was going to say. And this is probably what Colton's about to say. Aluminum is soft. I If it was me, I would... I would get it close and almost leave it proud. Epoxy it in. Let the epoxy dry. And I could get, I'm pretty good with a grinder and get it real close and you can sand it. I've gotten sketchy you with can the grinder. Sand that, yeah. You can sand it down. I mean, we're not talking like an eighth of an inch, but if it was proud a 32nd, I think you could, you would almost do better to, I mean, it's not that my only concern with that Ross is that if he goes to get it in nice and tight, he's not going to be able to get it back out. Correct. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, or, or maybe, maybe just leave a little pillow of epoxy on the bottom and just tap it down until it's just right and stop. Yeah. You know, you could do that and just let the epoxy squish out and then just leave it and then get it flushed. Well, that like epoxy that. really adhere to the. To yep. The, if you rough yeah, it up epoxy, on the back. Yeah. Oh, oh rough, rough it up on the bottom. Anything. Hey, that's a good tip too. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. But yeah, I, I know I sent you a video on this cause we discussed it offline, but um, laying out the blue tape on the joint where you're going to yes. put it. Yeah. Hey, you, Absolutely. You have a video on that, dude. That was yeah. really good. Razor knife, some sort yeah. of cutter. Yeah. And then yeah. being able to use the, the hard edges from where you cut out the, the traced part of the bow tie makes it so much easier when you're using a router mm -hmm. because yep. otherwise you're like, Oh, I don't know where this edge is. And you can totally pass a pencil line without batting. You'll an get eye. super close. That, that way. Is that video on both yeah. Yeah. YouTube and Instagram you. or? Uh, it is definitely on the Instagram and TikTok. I don't know about YouTube. Oh yeah, I don't think it's on YouTube. Gotcha. Okay, uh, I probably should put it on there. For some reason I thought it was a YouTube. Like uh, whether I, I don't well, know, you call their shorts. Yeah, but uh, yeah. do some yeah, we, do we some uh, what you call it mockups. Just test it out. Try a couple first on just a board. See if yeah. you can do it. Yeah. Um, I just gotta get the the aluminum bow ties first, I guess. Um, try it with some wood ones. Try it with some wood ones just to get the, the, the form down. 
you could even cut that aluminum with a bandsaw if you put a metal plate on it, or you could cut it with uh, a an coping saw. Really? Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I assume he's going to cut it. Take a minute. Cut but... it with a laser out of a plate. So laser. I, oh, now laser. Well, now we're talking. I, yeah. I mean, I, I if you have a freaking laser, use the freaking <laughs> laser to cut out the, the bow tie. Oh yeah. I, I, I'm not cut... worried about cutting out the bow tie. Uh, yeah, Gar Gar's handling that. It's um. You couldn't cut it out with your CNC. Uh, you can. I, I've never cut metal with. Uh, just with put my CNC. the. Just glue it to something and cut it out. Yeah, uh, it'll cut it. You go, yeah. The carbide bit will cut it easy. Just a little bit, little pass at a time. Yeah, I, I know people have done that with their. Um... And video it, please. Video it when you do it. Yeah, definitely <laughs> want video. Oh, you, you put your face. You, you want to see me lose hundred bucks in bits and real quick? Yeah. No, it it no, because like every every CNC. I mean, like I've cut a lot of stuff with a router with wood bits. Yeah. That uh, was aluminum. Yeah. yeah, it don't hurt it if it's carbide. It'll cut right through it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Show up. All right. I like so, it. Do we have any nuggets this week? If not, that's okay. We got all kinds of other goodness I in here. No, I always got nuggets, man. What do we got? I mean, oh, we got um, I, I learned well. that. Uh, I didn't learn it this week, but a nugget is that uh, VFDs don't work well with GFCIs. I right. don't know what any of that means, and I automatically started thinking variable about dudes at the VFW. Drive, yeah, so, uh, so variable frequency drive and a ground fault circuit interrupter. Yeah, so a VFD is something that controls a motor. Uh, you know, can make it change Turns RPMs, it from... and so on my uh, XCarve Pro, you know, you can change the RPMs on it, so it has a VFD on it. And whenever I initially phase, set up my garage, uh, well, I, I recently added a, a sub panel to it. Um, I guess a year ago, almost added a sub panel and then we changed out a bunch of the outlets and added a bunch. And for some reason I, I was, I didn't know what I was doing, but we had Crystal's cousin in and he, uh, we put GFCIs in a lot of the outlets. And so when I first got the X-Carve pro and started plugging it in, it wasn't working at all. And, uh, like it would, uh, it would throw the breaker like immediately. Or I'll throw the GFCI, and um, I always thought it was something up, like in in the on the internals of the machine, and finally talked somebody who knew, and yeah, so VFDs the way they send their signal doesn't correlate with the GFCI. So interesting, yeah. Which and then some other people were like, "Why would you put GFCIs in the garage?" And I was like, "I don't know." Like well, it's code <laughs> in a lot of places in the yeah, garage. Also, it. it yeah. Do you have a, a swap sink in the garage? Do I have a sink? Yeah. No, no, I do want one though. Crystal would love yeah, it if I had a your sink. Your garage, in there. kitchen, and bathrooms are all GFI. Yeah, I, I I know kitchens, kitchens, bathrooms, but um, it's usually anywhere that it's going to be near water. They have them. Right. Yeah. Right. But luckily, we left one outlet uh, not GFCI, and so I, I run my run my CN, my bigger CNC to that. Okay. As a nugget. Very How about good. you, Jess? What you got? Um, it's not really pertaining to um, furniture, but it does pertain to woodwork. I found a new caulk sealant that is the best stuff I have. It's like it doesn't even make any sense. New caulk, huh? What it is. New caulk. 
and it's by DAP, and it's a hybrid. So it's crystal clear. I, I mean, want no damn you, DAP. I'm a Dapper Dan it's, man. <laughs> it's clear. It's clear. And so, like, when you caulk and you, you get a little sloppy, it doesn't matter. And it, uh, but it's just, I mean, it's this clearest thing, but it's paintable in 30 minutes. In 30 minutes. Whoa. So, and it's good for outside lifetime warranties, where can, remains flexible. So, if you're caulking windows, you're caulking your baseboards in your house, interior, exterior, whatever, it is the greatest thing I've ever seen. It's in a blue tube. Uh, okay. What's the name of it? Hybrid. It's DAP. It's a hybrid. Uh, I don't remember the name exactly. You'll see it. It's okay. that it says hybrid. Okay. Dries in 30 seconds and it's Chris. They make it clear and white and I love it. I absolutely okay. love it. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I was actually going to say, I, I have two different nuggets, but I'll just give you one of them. Um, for me, the motivation to finish this antique, table that I've been working on it's honestly been in my shop since the middle of December and I never put a due date on my job board as far as when it was due it was just like oh when you get to it you know you'll get to it and it was sitting there and I was like man I really got to work on this and I posted one video on Instagram of starting to work on this joint and the the joinery of trying to fix this and Somehow it has taken off to where every post I'm doing on this table now is averaging like 15,000 views when my normal average is like 800 to 1,000. So I've been unbelievably motivated to try and keep up the main, uh, the, the build to make sure that I have video to put out every day so that I can get this thing done, but then also continue the viewership. So it, my nugget is actually more try and find ulterior motivation to get the projects that are intimidating you done. Yeah. Whatever it is, whether it's a deadline or some other swift kick in the ass. And I know Colton, you know, talking to us kind of got you jump started on your two and a half week plan to get all your cornhole boards done. What was that? Four weeks ago? <laughs> well, well, it, either no, way, it, it was about a week and a half ago. Uh, now you're doing way, good, man. No, you're man. you're like you jump started more than we had seen since we met you, and sometimes it just takes that outside motivation, finding that other source of inspiration, and all of a sudden you just start going. And yeah. I broke down this joint and the joinery into pieces because I had to do it in video form. So it was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I get to think about it over a couple days. How how would I do each of these things? And it's been fun for me to think of it in a different way. And I literally got all the dry fit done today. I'm going to glue it up tomorrow. The only thing I'm going to have to figure out is the, the matching the stain, but that's something I can figure out. So um, this, that table should be done. I'm hoping by the end of the week, oh, yeah. if not, it'll be early next week. So after months of sitting in my shop for no reason, I just didn't want to work on it because I didn't know how to do it. And uh, it gave me the swift kick in the ass that I needed because it was an ulterior motivation to get it done. Dude, I, I, I gotta yeah. say, I, I have really enjoyed seeing how you made that castle joint. It, it has been cool. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. I love same it. one we're talking about, right? The castle joint. Yeah, yeah. Same one. Yep. I actually had done that on a bed that I did for my brother and sister-in-law uh, this time last year. So um, that's where I learned how to do that, 
joinery and it's a lot of fun. It really is. So do you, do you know what you're sailing yeah. the, the new parts with yet? Uh, it depends on, in all honesty, it's probably going to have to be something pretty thin simply because it is an antique piece and I have to match the, the, it's probably going to be like a linseed oil on top of the stain kind of thing. So nothing too wild and crazy. It's just trying to match shellac what's it. already there. Yeah. Shellac is probably a good idea. I just have to make yeah, sure, sure it doesn't it. yellow it too much. Lacker, so I got to try shellac. a couple test pieces, but yeah, it's, it's like a hundred and something year old table. So I have a question. So I've, I've done a castle joint before, but it's been a long time. Do you, did you ever, ha, have you ever had problem when you're doing a castle joint of the wood warping in a little bit after you cut it? Or does it stay pretty steady if you just, if you go ahead and get it taken care of that same day? It stays pretty steady overall, for sure. Um, the thing I have noticed more than anything else is you actually, to get the, ha- the, the castle joint to work correctly, you technically, the pieces that are coming in to meet, you actually have to half lap. And I have found if the joinery on the castle part of it is too tight, you can snap off the ends of that um, right. half lap pretty easily. So, because right. it's pressure it's coming from four sides on end grain and this and that. So, that one is a little bit more like you got to make sure your joinery is dialed in to make sure, or you have a little bit more extra space uh, of mm-hmm. leeway. Um, but that was the only main thing that I've noticed. Other than that, it's. Can you been, hand cut all that? Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't seen the video. I technically used a router to cut out the, you know, hog out the waste, but I, I shore everything up with, um, with chisels and all. So. Yeah, you use the, your, cool. your Japanese saw a good bit too. Yeah, yeah I, those I, things are awesome. I tend to find myself reaching for that more than I ever thought I would. So, yeah, I, that's what everybody says. And I, I, yeah. I want to use mine more right now. Mostly, I just use it to cut off a dowel or that I'm filling a filling a hole with. But, yeah, I I don't know that I will ever really go back to using your standard American hand saws. Yeah, no, like much at all. I have two of them no. in my shop. I think I've used one of them once and it was because I was cutting a, uh, these timbers that were 18 inches wide and I needed something that was thick enough to go through that. Right. So, yeah. Very good. Well, boys, should we, um, should we end things here and head on out? It's been an hour and a Call half. Call it a night, it? baby. Yeah, I guess How so. How long has it been? Um, hour and 22 minutes so let's go ahead and end this one thank you very much for tuning in to the beat around the bench podcast the episode with our first guest will be uploading next week and available so thank you all for tuning in so for jess colton and ross this has been the beat around the bench podcast we will catch you all next time see ya